Welcome to the Dance to Oneness podcast. My name is Amy Shine, and I'm inviting you to discover and explore the many different paths to more possibilities. Welcome, everyone. It is episode 43 of the Dance to Oneness podcast. Mm -hmm. This week, we have the beautiful Lauren Polly with us. Um, Lauren Polly is author of award-winning book, The Other Side of Bipolar. Welcome, um, Lauren. Oh, thank you for having me, Amy. I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, so you have written this um, book called The Other Side of Bipolar, which I believe you won some awards first? I've won two awards. I was a silver medalist in the Nautilus Book Awards and then a finalist in the Best Book Awards when my book launched in 2016. So it's been a couple of years. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I love I love your book. Um, so The Other Side of Bipolar, I picked it up a couple of years ago and I started reading it. Um, it's about mental illness and your your journey with mental illness. And I also went through mental illness in my early 20s and dealt with the, that lovely area of like psychiatrists and medication and all that. And so it's a topic that's like close to my heart. And so when I read your book, I was very touched by it. And it really inspired me. And to write my own story I knew for years that I needed to write my story and people would I would meet people all the time you know like psychics and different people and they'd be like you're gonna read you're gonna write a few books and I'd be like <laughs> okay um and so when I read your book like I was like oh my god like so much of what you wrote about I could while our stories were different they were still very so much of it was very similar and I was like so inspired by your story and um, to just really get my story out there. And I wanted to write, invite you here today because you actually did a post the other day on Facebook and you were talking about like um, in writing your book and like the, the judgment you received for it. And I, I was just curious, like, I guess, where do we start? Like, what, well, first of all, what inspired you to get your story out in the world? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like you kind of knew early on that I was going to do it. I remember reading a memoir about someone uh, who had bipolar disorder, which is what I was diagnosed with. Um, I think when I was like 18 or 19 and it moved me to such a degree and it wasn't like a, there wasn't like a path to wellness or anything like this. It was just her story and her experience. Uh, but I put the book down and I went, you know, I'm going to write a book about my journey one day. But then I kind of, I forgot about it. Like it wasn't top of mind for me. It wasn't like I started writing. Um, But after that, I started just exploring for myself and having more and more experiences. So uh, for me, the years of like 19 to when I started writing the book at age like 31 was really about finding my own path with it so that you know, it kind of like unfolded the story as I was living. And then I had more material when I actually did sit down to write it. But it wasn't like on the forefront of my mind that I was working on it. 
Um, and then when I was around 30, 31, I was working with a publicist at the time to get my coaching business out into the world. And I was talking about my experience. She's like, well, how can we position you? And I told her about my story and she says, Lauren, think about how many people you could actually assist with that. And for me, that's always the golden nugget. Um, if I know I can share something and it can lighten someone else's load, um, then usually I'm all in. So it kind of helped me just having that mindset, if you will, or kind of that target about not making it about you having to offload your story. That's a super different energy. Um, but being able to give something where perhaps it's just an expression you have to get out, you know, that's certainly valid. Uh, but being able to position in a way where actually other people could read the story, but find themselves in it. And on the back of the book, it says, I invite you to walk with me because that was the whole point. You know, it's about me on the outside, but more than anything, it's about you finding your own path through the story. Um, and I've always been a lover of books. I've always done that when I read anyway. So that was kind of my own creative process of how I can write something that would inspire other people, not just to read the story, but also to start walking through the steps too. Yeah, I love that. And you actually did that brilliantly because, mm -hmm. you know, I read the story and I walked with you and mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I had that. I had that. I had that. I had that in a different way. Oh, I had that in a different way. You know, and so, um, and you write it so beautifully. I mean, your writing is just so mm -hmm. elegant and so descriptive. It's like you're in the experience. And, but I, what I wanted to ask you, like in writing your story, and I love that you say that it wasn't just about offloading your story. And I think a lot of us don't want to write our story because we feel like we're offloading mm. rather than actually, no, we want to inspire people with our stories. And I know for me personally, when I read your story, I have a similar but different experience. Like it's obviously everybody's experience is different, but I know for me, I've always just wanted other people. Like if I could like have a magic wand, it'd be like everyone with mental illness have a different awareness or experience than what I had, you know, like, and if I could change the world, like mental illness is one of my like reaches into my heart and pulls at my soul kind of energy and same with addiction. And so when, in writing your story, it's like, it's not about like, okay, here's my story, feel sorry for me, or here's my story, I've had a hard life. Because I think that can be a lot of how people sometimes use their stories, like I'm a victim, I have a hard life. And then as a result, those of us who want to inspire with our stories don't really inspire with our stories because we don't want to be that person. And um, so where, where is like anywhere in writing your book, did you have that come up where you're like, Oh God, am I really doing this? Like, are people yeah. going to read this? Like, how are people going to receive this? Like, did that? Oh, come yeah. Up to you? oh yeah. I mean, it's um, interesting. I think anytime you write your story because you're really being super vulnerable, um, at least most people who write stories are, some people aren't. So just be aware of that. Um, I think it's interesting when you start this whole process because when, as you're being more and more vulnerable and kind of pulling the curtains back, so to speak, when you are pulling the curtain back on something that is so stigmatized. And for me, like the thing I always hid, I went like total opposite with this whole thing. My, I always call it my insanity number two <laughs> in my life was this perfection and people pleasing. Um, so that's what I work a lot with with folks on is like people who've come through the diagnosis door. They're not overtly struggling anymore, but they're still suppressing their uniqueness 
through trying to be seen by uh, like right in the eyes of others. Um, and so for me to then step forward and kind of be like, yeah, I have a master's degree. I run a hospital department. I have all this, like, I look perfect on the outside, but no, Back here, I was suicidal. I tried a couple of times. I was straight up delusional. I had all sorts of things happen. Um, that's really hard. I mean, it's so stigmatized in our society, but because we have this front that we show the world to open that up, it's confronting. And it's it's interesting because books have a certain reach. Like, you know your family's gonna buy your book, right? <laughs> you know your friends, maybe if you're plugged into a community, you kind of have a built-in network that way. But when you start reaching beyond that safe network and more and more people see you, um, and then for me, having some of my professional colleagues at the hospital read the book, that was another super interesting one too. Um, but when you're growing up, I think we all hide things about ourselves. It's not if it's stigmatized or if you have a label, it's just what we do. We want to be seen a certain way by other people. And when you're writing your story and letting people in, I, for me anyway, like the greatest books are the ones that actually do that without a judgment. It's like just, you know, I don't have rosy eyes and I'm not trying to paint a pretty picture. You know, I'm not in the dark eyes where it's like, oh, it's so dramatic, feel bad for me. It's just like, this is what happened. It's clear eyes. Um, and when you can tell it that way, yeah, people are going to feel for you. There's like dramatic, dramatic parts of the book, uh, but there's also really uplifting parts too. And if you don't have that cleared eyed and that clear expression, I think it can get a bit muddled. So that I was really cognizant of, really aware of as I was writing, you know, took a while, took a while. I mean, I wrote it over a year, so it wasn't yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you, um, like in writing, writing your book, like, did you, did you slow yourself down? Did you stop yourself? Did you, or was it just like a flow? Yeah, I kind of got halfway through. Uh, it was always a flow, which was super surprising to me. But again, I think age 19 to 30, it was like right on the cusp of coming out. So when I finally said, yes, I'm doing this, and I hired a book coach to help me. Like I'm a, um, I love writing. I'm a very good writer, but writing a novel, like that's just, <laughs> I don't know anyone who's never really done that before who can kind of sit down and just put pen to paper. I needed some assistance. So once I made that commitment, I hired her, we actually sat down, it flowed very easily. However, I ran into roadblocks and roadblocks when I got further in. And there was one point where I was like, you know, I might not release this to the world. I, I feel really great about putting it on the page. I feel like I've offloaded a bunch of stuff. I process myself through this whole journey, but maybe this isn't for mass consumption. Um, and then I went through a stage where I thought, well, maybe I can turn it into like a fiction book and give myself a pseudonym. And I really had to walk myself back from that because I'm like, well, the whole point here is to really give people hope and inspire. And when you're hiding behind that, eh, you know, you can, but... Um, it's funny, I was actually at a literary festival. I was uh, sharing the stage with two other authors who wrote about mental illness. Um, and both of them had said that because they write about it, but they write about it in a, like a fiction way. One does children's books. Um, and then the other one kind of writes about fictional characters until she did an op-ed in the New York Times. And she said that was like, it was so confronting for her because she wasn't behind a character anymore telling a story. It was her story. Um, so they had both made note about me actually writing a full book about it. So um, yeah, it's it's confronting. It's a interesting, interesting journey to do. Well, I'm glad you just shared all that because <laughs> I actually, so I got inspired to start writing my story after I read your book. Mm -hmm. And I actually hired a book coach and I got halfway through. And um, and like you said, it was it was 
it was really beautiful process for me. I actually went through a lot like of my own healing in just putting and mm-hmm. um, my story on paper. Um, and the whole time was just reminding myself, I'm doing this right now just for me. It's not about, because in writing it, it's not about like other people reading it in the process. It's about, I'm just doing this for me right now. And I got like, I got like, I would even say three quarters of the way through. I was actually getting to the like, kind of like the recovery part. Yeah. And then I stopped. <laughs> and I stopped with my book coach and I stopped writing. And I, and I've been, and it's been, oh, I mean, it's been a year or two now since I stopped and I went through the same process you did like I was like hmm maybe this was just for me you know maybe I just got what I need and kind of let it go and then I was like and I went through all that and then I actually started um writing again the other day I, I actually had wrote another book in two days which is not it's, it's more about um, something totally different not about my story at all well a little bit but not much more about the spirit world and um and I, I got the hit. Once I wrote that, I got the hit. I was like, and after reading your post as well, your Facebook post in the last few days, when you spoke about like the criticism you got and the emails you got from people out who were kind of outside your network, like the general public. And I realized when I read your post, I was like, oh, I hmm. haven't been willing to acknowledge like the people, like the, pe- the judgment you actually might receive if you put this out there. And I just wonder, like, how many of us are, like, like you said, not willing to expose ourselves to, like, we're, like, because there is that, like, oh, we will, we may be judged, we may be criticized, we may even be told we're liars, Hmm. maybe, like, all that, that comes with it. Yeah. You know, um, every time I ran into that, I thought about an interview I heard with Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote uh, Big Magic and Eat, Pray, Love. Um, And she was telling a story about being at a book signing event for Eat, Pray, Love and some woman coming up and being like, tears hugging her and saying, oh my God, your husband was abusive to you and hitting you. And my husband was hitting me. And I read your story and it helped me get to the, you know, the other side and actually leave him. And Elizabeth Gilbert was like, uh, my husband didn't beat me. That is nowhere in the book. However, she did not sit there and correct the woman. She went, you know, whatever she needed to get from this book to actually move her to the next stage of life, she took. And that's a beautiful thing. And every time I ran into that, I would just be like, you know, people are getting from this what they need to, either to dig in deeper to their point of view, which a lot of people will do. You are absolutely wrong. That's not possible. I'm here. This is right. Or people are going to take inspiration. And I've always seen it as like, I don't talk about a roadmap. Like for me, it wasn't like that. I always think of it like a highway. And I talk about access consciousness tools. I talk about, you know, general energy work, yoga, meditation, life skills training. Um, I'm a medical speech therapist by trade. So a lot of that kind of worked its way into the book too. I'm like, what would it take for people to actually read this and take whatever offshoot works for them? Like it's not about one answer or following my path. But every time I ran into that judgment, I went, it does stop you. It makes you, for me, is like kind of brought up like a fear thing a little bit. Like, oh, are they going to come get me now? Like, I, <laughs> um, it has all those different qualities to it. But at the end of the day, you really have to remind yourself that people are going to receive what they're going to receive, no matter how you package it. And you don't have any control over that. You know what I mean? And I feel like the people who really do try to control the messaging, 
and how people view them and receive them, that's what keeps them small because they're not really willing to release it. You have to be willing to receive everything. Judgment, including adoration, including crazy fans who may never leave you alone again. Um, it's just kind of a mixed bag, but you just have to be in that space. And that story from Elizabeth Gilbert always sticks with me of, okay, they got what they needed at this time. Who knows when they'll come back to it in the future and maybe get something different, you know? Yeah. And thank you for saying that too. Like I read, I read your book. So I really remember the part about yoga because I also mm -hmm. love yoga and like, it was just so beautiful because you did, you did portray like all the different paths to recovery and all the paths that, that really assisted you and gave you back pieces of you. Um, so in that, like, it was, it was very hopeful, like whether you do yoga or not, or ac find access consciousness tools or not, like, every part you really like walked us through that journey and it wasn't like someone was pushing something on me it was more like oh this worked for her this worked for her this worked for her wow how incredible you know and and i guess with mental illness like that's the that's the inspiration like look there is different there's ways here's what worked for me and maybe you'll find something in one of these or maybe you'll find your own way um, and that's, for me, that's the inspiration, you know, like that there is a different path. You're not alone. Cause when you are walking through the depths of mental illness, like you feel so fucking alone, mm -hmm. you know, and you're just told like medication is the only answer yeah. and you're, you know, and that's it. At least I know it was for me. I mean, for me, it was mental illness, like over 20 years ago in Ireland. So it was a different world. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Me too. The nineties in America, same exact thing. Yeah. You know, and my mom always says, she says, had I had a book like yours back when you were going through it, your path would have been very different. But she said, I took you to the best doctors. I got second opinions. Um, I had very supportive and involved parents that still do. They're great. Um, and I think they kick themselves because they're like, we saw you popping 11 pills a day. No joke. I swallowed 11 pills a day and having side effect after side effect and side effect. And there was nothing that we knew to do other than to try to get second opinions and take you to more doctors who just prescribed more drugs. Yeah. Um, caveat with that, I think meds are super appropriate for some people. You know, there's not a wrongness in any of this. If that's what you need, awesome. Um, it's really interesting to me. Some of the interesting backlash or the feedback that I've gotten from the book is, again, people receiving what they're going to receive and not taking what I would like them to, you know, it's my point of view, <laughs> in, involved in the mix, um, but really being open to all paths. And people will, again, you know, be like, oh, well, because you got off medication, it means I need to get off medication or it means that medication is wrong. Um, nothing is wrong on this path. It is your path to choose. Um, so it's just kind of interesting because that's oh. absolutely like the old paradigm but what we're doing now is we're fighting the old paradigm and being like never ever ever and I'm like that's not where we need to go that's just jumping from one polarity to another polarity so it's really about finding that space where it's like you need to kind of find your own path and find professionals and doctors who support that you know oh I see yeah because then because it's like that was your experience that was your story but yeah people take that then and go mm -hmm. well now I'm anti-meds and for me too, it was like my mother didn't want to put me on medication. I didn't want to be on it, but there was no other, there was nothing else available. Like that was our only choice. So it wasn't about medication is wrong. It was just like we had no other choice. Yeah, exactly. And had we had other choices, medication coupled with lots of other things may have assisted us a lot easier. But yeah, in writing your story, people take that then and they, they use that to fight 
for the rightness of their point of view. Totally. And then the media is interesting because they'll pick you up for one thing that they see newsworthy. So like my national TV segment where I got that really nasty email from somebody, like eight paragraph, just cursing. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, that I was wouldn't even read that. that. I would just read the last line. <laughs> I know. Well, and the title, because, you know, you can see like the predictive scripts in the email. So like the title was you irresponsible bitch. And I went, who is this from? This is like, why? So I clicked it and it was just, I didn't even read the whole thing because it was just eight paragraphs of, um, so I needed to like delete just for my own health. Um, mm -hmm. But it was also kind of interesting because the media, what they liked about it was the fact that I had gotten off meds. That was what made me newsworthy. Mm -hmm. So they positioned my national news segment around that. And so that's the information she got. Yeah. Even though in my interview, I say, you know, all paths are awesome. You know, yeah. um, it's just kind of interesting what you trigger in other people. And I feel like sometimes to... Um, I don't particularly enjoy being like a polarizing figure. That's something I, um, I'm like, ah. and what pulled me back from a couple years of creation, especially in the realm of mental wellness. Um, and so now to be able to be like, you know, sometimes you do have to ruffle a couple of feathers. Yeah. You may rock the boat a little bit and people will dig deeper into their point of view. Others won't. That's okay. Um, it's, it takes a really inner strength and like a, a, a knowing in yourself you know, Shannon O'Hara, one of um, both of our mentors, always talks about unshakable knowing and really developing that backbone. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I lost it for a little bit. And I'm like, you know, look at what you did. You wrote a very revealing, amazing book. It's reaching all sorts of people outside of your safe known network. You're getting feedback. You know the world we live in. You're not not courageous. You are. If you have to take a pause, take a pause. And I don't feel like we give ourselves enough allowance when we're creating something that's bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that really has a breadth and a depth to it that will live on. Um, you know, one of my favorite things was sending it into the Library of Congress. I actually sent it in to be cataloged. Um, cataloged so for all eternity, it's going to be there in the United States Library of Congress. So it's got such a cool energy of living beyond you, but you're going to run into your own stuff along the way. You just have to have some space for it, you know. And how much as well you're like creating for the future, you know, yeah. like this, this may be a book like for, you know, like in the future, like it's, you know, it's more easily received. Like so because yeah. a lot of us are futurists and the things that we experience, we're experiencing them more as pioneers for the future. Like, mm -hmm. so can I ask you too? like, because I wrote I wrote the title of this and is your story worth telling? And mm -hmm. So in writing your story, like, did it ever come up for you? Like, who's going to read this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I knew my mom would. <laughs> I knew yeah, my mom right would. Here, <laughs> better not write that. My mother's going to read this. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to like write, you write the book and you're like, I know the people who are going to read this and so maybe yeah. I need to like change it a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of an interesting thing because you know who will read it. And so to not, I am very, very aware of other people. I also have a superpower of knowing what they need from me. And that has been like my Achilles heels my whole life. Um, my superpower because I can connect with people like nobody else. However, this thing of like, well, let me give it to you in the way you want me to. 
And so for me, is your story worth telling? Absolutely. You just need to be aware of where you function from. Um, I really had to kind of like cocoon in. Uh, the only people who knew I was writing, book coach, she was the only one who got to read what I wrote. My parents knew I was writing and then one of my friends, that was it. And no one read anything until I was all the way done. Uh, because I have that tendency to kind of like go, oh, do you like it? What do you think? Should I change mm -hmm. this? Um, so for me, that was a really important part of my creative process of like, I'm just going to come here and let it come out. Um, and then also to be, um, oh, my point kind of went whoop, right away. Um, I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, to be able to like know who is going to read it. And then also the other people who may not, because um, you never really know when you write it. Like um, one of the marketing strategies, there's lots of different ways to write a book, just FYI. And there's tons of different kinds of books out there. Um, so someone had said, you know, would you have liked to kind of have the marketing stuff before you write, kind of like a business book where you know what your key audience is, you know your main points. And I'm like, I actually wouldn't have liked that at all. It would have locked me into such a linear perspective mm -hmm. of what this could be. So knowing who would read it um, kind of can hold you back sometimes, but also if you're really writing from that point of view of like trying to target a certain thing, sometimes I think that can be tricky as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, the yeah. whole point is like getting, writing your story is more for, at the beginning, it's for you, just for you, mm -hmm. for your own like therapy, for your own artistic expression. So if you're like, you're already writing that book thinking, oh, um, I need mm -hmm. to like make it a certain way. So it's received a certain way. You're already squashing yourself. But yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things. Like in writing at the start, it's like, it's just for you to write. You don't even think about that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you're still aware. So even when you're like, I'm just writing this for me, you're still like, mm, my mother's mm -hmm. going to read this. My father's going to read this. Well, maybe my father will read it. I don't know if my father will read it. <laughs> <laughs> and like my known network of people will really like this part. They may not like that part. Yeah. And I can imagine the person who's never heard of anything being like, wow, this makes no sense whatsoever. Like there's so many ways to stop yourself. And just so you know, this isn't just in the realm of like memoirs. There are tons of unfinished manuscripts out there. I believe everyone has a book in them. Everyone I meet is like, oh, I have a book idea. Um, a lot of people never get around to writing it or they get around to writing it and never finishing it. And I ran into that stage too. I was, um, oh my gosh, maybe like two or three chapters towards the end. And it was this thing of wanting to wrap it up in a nice bow. And I'm like, but it's my life and I'm still living. So how, how do you do that? Um, and really and truly, you just have to finish it. And then there's a lot of help that comes on the back end in terms of the editors who come on board. For me, I spent a year in production with my publishing house. Um, and that's where the marketing conversations came up of like, well, you've already finished your manuscript. So how do we position it and market it to the world? Um, that's where they're like, oh, would it have been better for you to have had that at the beginning? And for me and my creatives process, absolutely not. Other people, if you're writing like a business book, maybe. You know, you may want to be a bit more pointed. It's not wrong. It's just different, you know. Um, so I think you have to give yourself some creative license and spend some time with it. You may write it. I wrote over half of it. And then I found the book's voice. Then I found the voice. And I went, 
Oh, here you are. It had such a different quality. It was like you were saying, Amy, where it's very visceral and soft and kind of envelops you and pulls you in. Um, and I hadn't written the beginning like that. I went back and rewrote. Oh, interesting. I met my book over halfway yeah. through and I was, uh, toot my own horn here, I was smart enough to listen and be like, oh, this is it. This is way better. I'm going to go back and actually move things through along in this line. So it's a creative process. Like they always say, it's not a start to finish. You may rewrite. It may take a couple of years. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think what you're like inviting us to here is just like getting out of the judgment of ourselves. Because, you know, speaking about the amount of people with unwritten but unfinished books out in the mm -hmm. world, me being one of them, lots of people being one of them, lots of us with ideas and like, what if it's like, like you said, like, it's not wrong, like if it takes you a couple of years or if you don't finish it, but what would be like, what do you get is the main reason people don't finish those books and put them out there? Hmm. I mean, self-judgment plays, I think distraction plays big time. We just get involved in our lives and other pursuits. Um, sometimes I think the book actually doesn't want to be in this realm. Hmm. That's another question. Does the book want to be out here? Yeah. Does it want to be in the world? Or is it for now or is it for later? Yeah, that's different ways. There's certain things and there's certain entities I've played with through my life, different book ideas and everything where it was way more visceral. It may come into a journal form on the page. It may not even come on the page. It's just kind of playing in my space and I'm thinking about it and playing with the idea. And is it for now or for later, I ask. But also sometimes I'm like, no, you're like really happy just being there as a contribution. Um so I think there's so many different realms, especially when you're looking at the energetics of it, of what wants to be on a page, on a bookshelf, you know, um, <clears throat> not that you don't write or move forward, but, you know, different questions and to ask. One of the, th and they are great questions. I love them. And one of the things that I want to tip on too is like, <clears throat> you are a beautiful writer. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're yeah. so elegant in your wording. Like your English is, is very, um, advanced i would say <laughs> you have advanced english writing skills like i because but then i know like i have many friends who are like you know a little bit adhd or dyslexic even myself i'm a bit dyslexic and um, i was told i had really bad understanding of the english language um i did just write a book in two days and i like one of my very close friends read it and she goes oh my god amy i love it it's so simple and i was like yes my english is very simple oh. i do not have a lover and that's one of the things that stops me even mm. in writing writing my story i was like oh god my english is so simple like i'm i'm very just like simple english but that's another like that's another reason we use to stop ourselves we compare ourselves like oh i don't write like i can't be a writer i don't have like advanced writing skills I don't have this you know incredible vocabulary of words you know and and but again like I sometimes I look at wow but look at Gary Douglas he wrote The Place which is a beautiful novel but the English is really bad in it he got massive criticism for it he didn't care less he's now making it into a movie the novel is beautiful and what it delivers even though the English isn't great you know 
So is that, that's another way we use to like compare ourselves to others and then stop ourselves. It is. And if you just take that perspective and flip it just a little bit, there are people who are going to love your writing because it's simple. And there's people who don't like mine because it's too flowery. You know, I do interviews all the time and people are like, I had to look things up that what you said. I was like, I don't even, I don't even realize it. Like I said, I love books. I read like three to nine books a month. You know what I mean? So I think that's where my vocabulary comes from. Plus, I'm a medical speech language pathologist. This is my background. I'm highly verbal, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, it's not something to stop yourself over. But, you know, I have had people who are kind of like, man, you kind of talk like perfect and you use big words and sometimes it's not relatable. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. This is just me. I'm opening my mouth and I'm speaking. Like it or don't. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you that. really have to reach that point. But you have an audience out there. Everybody does. Yeah. How big it is is where we go into judgment. How much judgment we receive from it is where we, again, kind of go into the judgment of it. Um, there are just so many minefields that take possible invitations to greater possibilities and stop them from ever reaching the audience that would really open up. I mean, what if one person could read your story and have a totally different living? Yeah, I love that. Thank you so yeah. much for saying that, actually. Um, you know, I did reach a, a point in my life years ago where I was like, oh, fuck it. Here I am. This is who I am. I have, This is my English. I get my words mixed up. And I started to enjoy it. And other people around me started to really enjoy me and how I use my words. And it became a way more of like, like, just like, this is who I am. So that's so beautiful. Like, this is who I am. This is how I speak. And that's what you will receive if you read my book. You know, like, yeah. that's me. I'm on paper. So it's like owning that. That's really yeah. beautiful. Well, I always say my book is like me in book form. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, and it has the same energy. You speak to me in person. You watch a podcast. You read my book. It's like, oh, this is you. And it's not necessarily the voice or the words, it's just the feeling of it. Um, and for me, I kind of see that as my greatest accomplishment, that I was able to write something that when people read it, like my, I was just home visiting my folks and um, their pastor in church was like, I can tell she read my book and she's like, oh, Lauren's super, super spiritual, but we're never going to find her in the building, meeting in a church. And I'm like, <laughs> I started laughing. I'm like, this is hysterical that a woman who's never met me and really hasn't heard anything else picked that up from my book. Because totally true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to totally true. I used to lead Sunday school every week. And my lesson every single week was God made the earth. Let's go enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids were never in the building. We were out in the woods. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just kind of like it tickles me to this day of like, I'll pick up the book and read it and I'll start laughing. I'm like, oh my God, that just sounds like me. And duh, I wrote it. I get it. But at the same time, it's like something that would go through my inner dialogue all the time. It's in there. Um, so it's just a fun play exercise if you're willing to view it like that. And at the same time, maybe hold that bigger vision of this could go. But even that piece, like, um, I, you know, I say that all the time, you know, in creating your business and getting your classes out there, whatever it is you're facilitating, like if one person comes to your class, mm -hmm. you change one person's life, like your success. Yeah. So it's the same, like if you want to write a novel or a diary or whatever, like if one person reads it and gets something from it, it's a, it's a success. Yeah. I've been yeah. in a new marketing program lately and they talk a lot about vanity metrics. 
which we're so stuck in the trap now with social media. How many people yeah. liked it? How many people commented? How many book sales did I get? How many people attended my workshop? Um, you know, and there's a business aspect to it, obviously with revenue that you're generating, right? Um, but we get so stopped by that, that we don't look at perhaps a smaller audience, but one that's more potent and really in it with you will create a bigger ripple. Um, it's just about positioning yourself and really what I've been working on the last year and a half, you know, I've been, you know, if you want to go to my Facebook page, you can see my latest post of a five day kind of campaign because I was quiet for a year and a half. I really pulled back on all of this because of the judgment I got in the aftermath of launching. Um, and not immediately. I mean, the book did really, really well. It was just these kind of weird emails I was getting or I kind of went, ah, um, but it's interesting to me, this has really given me permission to like, life's short, you're here. What is it that you would like to do? Not again, where I go, what do other people need me to do? What do they want from me? So it's taken a lot of work for myself of pulling back and being like, if I could have my dream world, if I could have my ideal magical world where this is how I worked with people, this is how I got my messaging across, it wouldn't be about vanity metrics. What is it exactly that I would like to put out and how, I, how would I like to engage with folks? And that's a totally different realm. And if you can write a book in that, I was lucky my book popped out like that. And now I'm into this stage of it. Um, but if you can just have that in the back of your world, my favorite question, how would I like to spend my time on earth? Because it includes me in the picture. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not my typical, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Vanity metrics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're surrounded by that now. Yeah. So any other books coming up soon? That's Maybe. another question. <laughs> Writing book one is one thing and then following oh, yeah. it up with book two. Oh, totally different. I'm finding because um, you do run into that. Well, the first one yeah. did so well. Yeah. And then what would like a sequel be yeah. or perhaps it's a different topic. And yeah. um, I have one idea that's continuing to kind of play in my space. It's a little bit more of a, um, I don't even know how to describe it because my writing is really poetic and visceral. Um, so I was trying to write non like that for a while and it just doesn't work for me. Um, like I'm never going to write a straight like self-help book. That's just not in my vocabulary, so to speak, you know? Yep. Um, so I am playing with one that's a little bit more poetic and visceral where people can again find themselves in the character mm -hmm. and walk through, but it hasn't popped on page yet. I'm just giving it some breathing room. Yeah. So. I feel like you're already writing it. So no yeah. It's there. <laughs> we'll see if it's like the other one where it took about 11 years to come on the page. That's okay, you know? Yeah. Or might not. Yeah. Um, so, guys, if you're interested, where can people find you, Lauren? Mm, my website is laurenpolly.com. And I actually do have your website in the description above. Oh, perfect. Yep. And there's some resources and videos up there. And then uh, social media, especially on my professional uh, Lauren Polly coaching page, you can see the five posts that Amy was referencing that came out last week. It has some great concepts about going past judgment, you know, don't letting that stop you. And then also about mental wealth, which is my, my second emanation of my book where it's kind of wanting to lead me into. So. Yeah, and I just posted um, the link to Lauren's book here in the comments if any of you are interested in reading that really incredible book. Um, and I'm loving the whole mental wealth post and intrigued to see and hear more about that. Uh, it's a brilliant phrase, mental I wealth. I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
it's time to go beyond maintenance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also just this whole, the stigma campaign that people are doing now is awesome. Like, you know, people are talking about it more. You're not alone. There's a lot of great things of, about acceptance. Step number one, but really until we get as a society to embracing people's difference and actually utilizing them, that innovative quality, the creative, the sensitivity, um, it's still going to be a stigma, you know, and if we continue to do that with ourselves and not actually lean into our natural tendencies and let those shine, um, to me, that's where the wealth of uh, all of this lies. So more to come on that, you know? Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you for being courageous and putting your story out there. Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for inspiring so many other people. Um, so I'm grateful to have you here. Maybe in in, the, in a couple of months' time, I'll have you back on and we can talk more about mental wealth, mental illness, mental wealth. Um, so thank you for joining me. Thank yeah. you, everyone. Thank you, Amy. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dance to Oneness podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to know more about what I have to offer, you can find me at www.amyshine.net.